like to ask a question uh, of you to begin today. Here's my question. How's your attitude? How's your attitude right now? What kind of attitude are you in today? Do you have some things eating at you? Do you have some frustrations over some situations? Do you have some frustrations with some people, other human beings uh, that uh, surround you? Uh, or are you in a state of complete, complete tranquility, would you say, as you come to services today? Satan has a bad attitude. He's angry, he's spiteful, he's hateful, he's cynical, he's prideful, rebellious, he's flat out sinful, and he is also deceitful. He's filled with self-pity, he's vengeful, he's cruel, and he's unsettled. He's unsettled. Uh, he, as, as Scripture tells us, he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's hungry. He's hungry to feed and to destroy, so he's outpacing, looking to devour. He creates a, a changing terrain for us, uh, a, a terrain for us, not a rainforest, but a terrain for us. And he broadcasts in moods and attitudes, as Mr. Armstrong often said. He is the God of this world. And we're seeing some crazy times here just in the past couple of weeks. We talked about some of those a couple of weeks ago, but, but we, we re reflect upon the recent uh, invasion of uh, the Ukraine, which is not so recent now that it's been one year since that happened, one year here February 24th. The current death toll uh, there for, for the Russians, the invading army, uh, the Russians were claiming uh, as of about a month or so ago, uh, they were claiming that they had lost some 16,000, 15 or 16,000 troops, and uh, the Ukrainians are reporting that no, the Russians have actually lost closer to 160,000. Uh, and, and in the article that I read, it didn't list the death toll for, for those in Ukraine as, though, as they're still uh, dealing with that and in some places where they can't even determine that. We have instability, of course, in, in much of Eastern Europe, uh, seeing some shifting uh, shifting sands politically uh, in the whole situation with Serbia. Serbia appears to be separating itself from Russia, and uh, Russia is very concerned about uh, Serbia seeking ties with the EU. EU uh, is, is looking at that and the impact of, of possibly bringing them in or beginning to connect with them. Of course, the many situations that we have going on uh, in the turmoil uh, throughout, throughout the world. I'll quote uh, uh, briefly from Mr. Mr. Frank's uh, article. This was actually the member letter, not this most recent one, but, but the one last month. He mentioned uh, this uh, with respect to uh, what we see going on in, a, in, in the world around us. Corruption, violence, and political dishonesty are everywhere, including our own country, the United States. It seems that more governments are in turmoil or on the verge of collapse politically and economically than, I can, uh, than, than any time I can recall. This, uh, this week we received the signs of the times. It's, as I've told you before, it's a, it's a news uh, a collection of news articles that uh, several men uh, in the church put together and compile for us for the ministry to share uh, with, 
with our congregations or share in our messages, just listen to some of these, uh, these situations in which I, I think most, most of us are very familiar. United States warn, warnings to China on arms uh, aid for Russia's war portend global rift. From the New York Times, uh, it reports, Madrid, when the top foreign from Madrid, when the top foreign policy officials from the United States and China appeared this weekend at Europe's premier global security conference, both stressed that their governments were not seeking a new Cold War yet, New warnings by United States officials that China may be preparing to give weapons and ammunition to Russia. Its war on Ukraine portend the worst of the Cold War. The report continues, there's no doubt that China's entry into the war that, in that manner would transform the nature of the conflict, turning it into an epochal struggle involving all three of the world's largest superpowers and their partners on opposing sides. Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea aligned against the United States, Ukraine, and their European and Asian allies and partners, including Japan and South Korea. War, the war in Ukraine could have a cascade effect and make the world much less stable and much more dangerous. We know of, of the whole statement that Christ made of wars and rumors of wars as part of the beginning of sorrows. Germany and, and Japan enhanced their militaries from Christian Science Monitor, they report. At his White House uh, visit last month with the supportive President Joe Biden, Prime Minister uh, Kishida Fumio laid out Japan's assertive new national security strategy, which includes a commitment to substantially higher defense spending. A week later, U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin was in Germany taking stock of Chancellor Olaf Scholz's uh, commitment to bigger military budgets and to rebuilding Germany's armed forces as a tool not just of his nation's defense, but of European security policy as well. The article uh, explains, as, as the Signs of the Times reports, the article explains that Japan is responding to China's bellicose threats, their aggressive uh, warlike threats, uh, while Germany is reacting to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. After a long period of peace for Japan and Germany, protected by the might of the U.S., these two nations now realize that they must also see to their own defenses. Germany's decision to send uh, Leopard 2 tanks to Ukraine is an indication it is willing to play a more open role in the defense of Europe. And of course, God's people realize uh, that we are to keep an eye on Germany as uh, one of the leading nations uh, as part of uh, Assyria, but one of the leading nations that uh, will, will play a role in, in the EU as it goes forward. We see economic upheaval. I got this advertisement this week. Uh, I don't know how many of you have, have kept up with this. I know our, our, our people that are in the financial markets are very aware of this, but uh, I got this promotional offer. Once in a generation, 401k disaster unfolding, many at risk, Spooked by Biden's, uh, you can tell uh, which side of the political aisle this uh, little advertisement is. Uh, spooked by Biden's weaponization of the dollar against Russia and provoked to anger by Nancy Pelosi's reckless visit to Taiwan, China has just launched its biggest attack yet on the greenback. Already, Saudi Arabia now accepts the Chinese uh, 
yuan, I think is how it's pronounced, the currency for China, instead of the petrodollar. Plus, uh, China recently launched the Shanghai-based New Development Bank, a $500 billion rival to the IMF and World, World Bank. And now together with dozens of other countries, 3.79 billion are set to abandon the U.S. dollar as, near, as, as early as 2023. If you have retirement savings that you cannot afford to lose, I've got thousands, millions to lose. It's, it's no big deal to me. But if, if you have, re some of you may be in this situation though. If you have retirement savings that you cannot afford to lose, then this currency reset could be catastrophic because the dollar will lose its status as a global currency reserve. And we know of, of uh, we're very aware of that if, if the dollar no longer becomes the main uh, source uh, or the main uh, currency used uh, globally, it uh, portends bad news for, for America. It portends bad news for the value of the dollar. It portends bad news for the country. How quickly will the country deteriorate? All of these things we see going. We see, of course, the recent earthquake and the, the impact of that, the 50 to uh, 60,000 uh, people dying in that, all, all the situations that we see going on around the world and the impact of those. And not only that, we see the moral degeneration just uh, hitting us full on here in our country uh, with the latest on transgender uh, uh, thoughts and, and all, all the LGBTQ uh, emphasis, and, and here's how it's impacting Europe. This is from Signs of the Times. The Church of England considers using gender-neutral terms for God. Uh, the Times of London reports, quote, Church of England prayers, hymns, and carols that refer to God in non-gendered terms could be produced under proposals put forward to bishops. Many priests prefer to replace the terms he or him in services with simply God uh, or sometimes with they and uh, choose to start the Lord's Prayer by referring to God as our father and mother rather than simply our father. Uh, as, as the Signs of the Times reports, the article points out some interesting reasoning for defying what the, gen, what the Scripture says. One priest is quoted as saying, quote, in, in Christian teaching, God does not have a sex or gender. Uh, all, all contraire, <laughs> uh, God reveals himself as the Father, and by definition, fathers are male. This is yet another sign of the Church of England reasoning itself away from the purity of the Word of God in order to meet the changing uh, sinful will of people. And then one uh, last uh, article that I'll, I'll quote from the Signs of the Times is from the Epoch Times. It reports Josh Alexander, uh, Josh Alexander is uh, age 16, is not allowed to attend school for the rest of the year after saying he would continue to express his belief that God created only two genders. The school told him his presence would be, quote, detrimental to the physical and mental well-being, unquote, of transgender students, Alexander told the Epoch Times. He told St. Joseph's Catholic High School in Renfrew, Ontario, he would not intentionally engage or, or start conflicts with transgender students, but he would continue to express his belief. He and his lawyer are bringing this matter to an, an Ontario human rights tribunal, calling it religious discrimination. The report continues, he hasn't attended school since November when he was first suspended. He had organized a protest against transgender students using the girls' washrooms. Uh, he had also said in class discussions that there are only two immutable genders. 
as uh, the, the Times, uh, as, uh, the Times uh, writers uh, state, this is a shocking development, especially in a Catholic-sponsored sponsored school. It's another symbol of the growing persecution of those in the West who maintain a biblical worldview and who refuse to deny fundamental biology. Those who refuse to go along with the strange and erroneous position established by thought leaders will be reduced to silence or excluded from society. Conditions recognized until recently as mental disorders must now be accepted as normal by everyone. These are just a few of the things, brethren. You, you know these things, you see these things, but, but how is this impacting us? How is this impacting our, our attitude as we go forward, as we, as we have to try to exist in this kind of situation? You know what upsets me? Is how much I have to pay for eggs. I don't like that. Uh, eggs are up to what, four, uh, 50 or so uh, for a dozen of eggs? All, we see so much happening uh, inflation-wise in the, just the, at the grocery store, uh, impact of, of meat, impact of fruits and vegetables, impact of eggs, milk, butter. Uh, as one article in, the, in the Time Magazine, uh, June, uh, January 28th said, you know, gone are the days of, of a dozen eggs for a buck 50 and a gallon of milk for under $3. We're dealing with that. And as a result, uh, the article mentions how many people have chicken coops now in their backyards. Let's see a little hand raise here. How many chicken coopers do we have? One, two, all right, good, good, all right. I, uh, how about a special deal for me uh, on, on, on eggs? I don't know, I'm just, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, it, it, is, it, it, is, it is just getting crazy. And, and in this article, it, it talks about uh, not only that, but farm action, an advocacy group uh, believes there could be another reason for the high cost of eggs, price gouging. Calmaine Foods, which controls 20% of the retail egg market, reported, reported quarterly sales up 110% and gross profits up more than 600% over the same quarter in the, in the prior fiscal year, according to a December filing with the Securities and Exchange Commission with the SEC. The company pointed, pointed to decreased egg supply nationwide due to the avian flu, which, uh, you know, of course, has, uh, has had a major impact. Uh, one, it's the largest animal emergency that the USDA has ever faced in this country, according to uh, the assistant professor of a poultry science and avian health at Penn State University. But uh, he goes on to say uh, that uh, Calmaine, though, has had no positive avian flu tests on any of its farms, according to a quarterly report. It brands, its brands include Eglin's Best, Farmhouse Eggs, and Land Lakes Eggs. Calmaine did not respond to a request for comment about why their egg prices uh, went up so much since they've not had any uh, depletion in, in numbers, according to the article. All these kinds of things are going on. And although, as the article states, although overall inflation is starting to cool, dipping to 6.5% after peaking at about 9% last summer, shoppers haven't seen much relief in terms of grocery prices. I don't know if you have, uh, we haven't. We haven't seen much relief, and we don't know if it's going to change. So how's your attitude? What, what are the reasons for all of these things? Are there reasons that we see in some of these articles that uh, they, they aren't really reflecting upon from God's Word? How's your attitude? Let's, let's look at Leviticus 26. Le Leviticus 26 speaks to... Uh, 
a penalty that God, a, a series of penalties that God places upon the nation for, for its actions, and, and a continued lack of repentance as a result of these things. Uh, we see, I think we see these things happening around us now. I, I think God uh, is, he's definitely getting our attention. He's trying to get the attention of of, of Israel, of, of the present day nations of, of Israel, the down through the ages, and here we are, this incredibly blessed nation. Leviticus 26, verse 14. If you do not obey me, Leviticus 26, verse 14. If you do not obey me, God says, and do not observe all these commandments, and you despise my statue, or if your soul abhors my judgments, so that you do not perform all my commandments, but break my covenant, I'll do this to you. I will even appoint terror over you. Terror, we heard about the fear that, that uh, we must, as God's people, conquer and battle in our own lives. And we heard about that in the sermonette. It's going to appoint terror, a state of this perpetual fear uh, over you. Wasting diseases, fever, which shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart. And you, sh you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. I'll set my face before you, and you shall be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you shall reign over you, and you shall flee when no one pursues you. And then we see these seven times more for your sins statements made. If you don't obey me after this, verse 18, then I'll punish you more, seven times more for your sins. I'll break the pride of your power. I'll make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze, and your strength shall be spent in vain for your land shall not yield its produce nor the nor shall the trees of the land yield their fruit we see these kinds of things that are going to be happening we as god's people know these things and yet here we are living in this nation we're seeing uh, the the effect of the disobedience of our nation uh, playing out upon us and, and yet we know these things have to happen how, how do we as God's people keep our attitude where it needs to be as we see the moral depravity, as we see folks not treating others as they should, as we see our nation celebrating uh, the kinds of things that we know we, we, are, we are to call evil? Not that we hate the individual, but we call evil evil. Uh, and yet we see it's to be celebrated, and we better all get behind that uh, otherwise, uh, the evil eye turns on us, and, and we go down. Uh, all, all of these things we see going on, we see uh, the, the weather situations and, and concerns of, of, of drought. Uh, we talked about this in a, in a pastor's update a while back, another Signs of the Times article about uh, the, the giant uh, high, uh, Central Plains aquifer that's under our nation uh, in, throughout the Central Plains state stretches a huge amount of space. It's drying up. It's drying up. It's not, it's not dried up yet, but it's, it's, it's not replenishing according to uh, the amount that we're using. And, and as they're, they're saying, it's not now a matter of, of if it will dry up. It's, it's just a matter of when because there's, there's just no way it can replenish uh, based on uh, the, the use that's needed. And that, you know, that's, that's the, that's the breadbasket of the United States. All, all these things we see uh, going on around us. It makes us reflect back upon what Mr. Armstrong uh, used to say. How many of you remember this statement where he would say, 
Prepare to reduce your standard of living. How many remember him, him saying that? So I, I ask us, uh, are we preparing to reduce our standard of living? Have we already? Have some of us already reduced our standard of living? How are you handling that? What's your attitude about that as we see these things going on? Think about this. As we come back to this question about our attitudes, think about this statement. In what attitude we find ourselves depends upon in what or in whom we place our trust. I think there's a, a truism there that grounds us as we go forward. In what attitude we find ourselves primarily depends upon in what or in whom we place our trust. So if, if, if you're in a bad attitude or if I'm in a bad attitude, I gotta come back to that. In, in, in what or in whom have I placed my trust? if I find myself in that. I, I think it's something worth considering, uh, especially those of us that recognize that we're, we struggle at times. We may be struggling now with a bad attitude, with, a, with an approach that is just kind of, you know, cynical, jaded, frustrated uh, uh, about things. I'd like to look at some dangerous attitudes today in the time remaining into which we fall. And uh, if the shoe fits, wear it. As, as, I, as I look to see if, if these fit me from time to time. Let's look at some today as we go forward. Proverbs 11. God's people, as, as Christ said, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. God's people, uh, as, as we go through the ups and downs of life, uh, reflecting back on uh, what Mr. Beltran uh, said today, we know the one in whom we can place our trust. If we keep it there, we, we can go forward. We can go forward with a, a sense of purpose and a sense of, of, of stability in, in seeing the upheaval uh, while we're experiencing the upheaval that's going on all around us. Proverbs 11 uh, speaks to one, uh, one dangerous attitude into which we can fall, something to which we've already talked about to some degree here already. Proverbs 11, let's start in verse 24. Proverbs 11, verse 24. There's one who scatters, yet increases more. There's one who withholds more than is right, and it ultimately leads to poverty. Verse 25, Proverbs 11, the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. He who earnestly seeks good finds favor, but trouble will come to him who seeks evil. Here's one of those attitudes that are very dangerous. He who trusts in riches will fall. But the righteous, the righteous will flourish like foliage. Verse 30, the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. If the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, how much more the, the ungodly and the sinner. We know this, but... 
as, as we see the instability of the dollar, as we see the instability of our economy, as we see these things going and we realize that it could just be gone, uh, our investments and, and this and that, unless we invest in gold or unless we invest in, in uh, uh, minerals, then we'll be, we'll be fine throughout uh, the hard times. You know how it is. It's, it's all these things uh, that, that we've got to do if we're going to protect our riches. Now, it, it doesn't mean that we're to just throw our money out there uh, and give it all away because uh, uh, it's not going to have any value anyway. We're, we're to store up in winter as we should, but if we put our trust in riches, if we put our, our, our hope and our faith in any wealth that we've accumulated and, and the way in which we invest that, if that is something that drives us and gives us stability versus trusting in the eternal God first, and then as the wise steward doing what we should be doing. If we get that out of whack, it'll create an attitude because the trust is messed up. Uh, and we, we know that, we get that, but, but it sneaks in. That, that attitude can sneak in, especially as we see the, um, the, the unrest that we see going on economically right now. Uh, look at Jeremiah 17. Here comes another trust, a danger in a, in a wrong type of trust. This sneaks into the church at times. It's definitely uh, present in our society. And this is nothing new, but it sneaks in and, and grabs us as we, as we see what's going on around us and get frustrated about situations that we see people doing, things that are, are not of God. Jeremiah 17 Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Thus says the eternal, cursed is the man who trusts in man. Do we, do we put our trust in man? Do we, do we put our trust in somebody that can come in and get the job done for this country, a man or a woman? Do we, do we put our trust in that? Are we pushing for that? We really, if we could just get this man in, if we could just get this woman, if we could just get this body of people with this kind of mindset in, in position in our country, then, oh, okay, we could finally kind of take a breath and get back to where we can get on with life. If we could just get there. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the eternal. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert, and he shall not see when good comes but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Conversely, verse 7, blessed is the man who trusts in the eternal and whose hope is the eternal. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear, as Mr. Beltran Jr. discussed, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Boy, that's a powerful statement, isn't it? Where is my hope? Where, where is my trust? 
Where, where am I placing my trust and my confidence? Do I place it in man? And am I hoping for this person to come in to create this bit of peace? Give us a couple of more years, just, just a couple of more decent years where we can get eggs back at like 165. I'd be happy with 165, 169. I, I'd pay 169 for eggs. You know, just, if we just kind of get it back there, get that, get that gas prices, get those back down a little bit. And then we can, oh, we can kind of, yeah, then we, we can settle. Now we can get things settled and we can go forward and get on with our lives. Um, because this person will get us drilling again. We won't be reliant upon OPEC. We won't be reliant upon Venezuela and these countries. We'll be producing ourselves so we can get it done. You know what I'm saying, brethren. It's, it's, it's that kind of thing that can kind of sneak in uh, and, and get in the lives of God's people to where we all of a sudden have to step back and say, and where do I put my trust? Am I aligning my, my will with what God's will is? Am I seeking the return of Jesus Christ? Am I praying that he'll hasten the day of that coming? Is that where my focus is as I go forward? Do I see things from that worldview? Do I see things from that world perspective? That uh, how, how much we desire for our, our older brother to return and, and write things. He's the strong man. He's the true strong man that, that can come back and write things, the only strong man that can do so. So much uh, disappointment that, that we can have in our nation's leaders. Who's going to be our nation's next strong man? We need this kind of leader. We need this kind of governing. We need these rules implemented again. Conversely, we can see another uh, prevailing attitude of the day. Let's go to Amos 6. Let's go to Amos. I want to read a few passages here. Amos is, is written at a time of, of where there's a bit of hope for the country, and things are beginning to really roll and go well for, for Israel at the time. Uh, a lot of optimism about the direction of things. And here comes Amos, the prophet, saying, hey, let's, let's get the right perspective. Where, and where does your trust lie? I want to read the, I guess what we would call the, the preamble to the book. It's uh, in, in my book, it's, it's the, uh, I've got a New King James Version Bible. It's interesting what they write about this. I think the parallels to our nation's situation today are, are real. Listen to this. Amos prophesies during a period of national optimism in Israel. Business is booming and boundaries are bulging. But, but below the surface, greed and injustice are festering. Hypocritical religious motions have replaced true worship, creating a false sense of security and growing callousness to God's disciplining hand. Famine, drought, plagues, death, destruction, nothing can force the people to their knees. Amos, the farmer-turned-prophet, lashes out at sin unflinchingly, trying to visualize the nearness of God's judgment and mobilize the nation to repentance. The nation, like a basket of rotting fruit, stands ripe for judgment because of its hypocr hypocrisy and spiritual indifference. Does that not speak to some degree of our nation today, where our nation is? Do we have that same fervor uh, as a church that, that Amos had of, of, of 
seeking to preach the truth and, and, and seeking to uh, do God's will in terms of proclaiming the gospel so that God would use us to the degree that he would when, when he decides to call whom he chooses. But is our, is, our, is, our, is our mindset, is our focus on that? Or are we caught up in these things? These things that are temporary, these things that uh, God says is all, is all coming to, to pass away, as, as Peter talks about later. So let's look at Amos. Amos, uh, as we see a, a prevailing attitude of the day, Amos 6. Amos 6, if you would uh, turn there. I think I already said that, and then I went to the preamble. Amos, Amos 6, verse 3. Amos 6, verse 3. He says, woe to you who put, off, uh, put far off the day of doom. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about I'm young. I've, I've got college ahead of me. I've got this. I've got this plan. I've got this plan. I'm trying to get situated for this. I don't want to be thinking about all these things that are going on, the, the, the deterioration here and the deterioration here, how this could trigger this and this could trigger that. I, put that off. I've got other things upon which I want to focus. Who caused the, who caused the seed of violence to come near? who lie on beds of ivory, stretch out on our couches, eat lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the stall. You know, so, so does that mean I need to uh, stop eating food that is tasty? I need to only pick up fruit that has fallen to the ground and is kind of starting to rot a little bit under that little fruit tree. And that, then if I eat that, then that gets me in the right mind. You know, not talking about that, but they live, they live for this. They live, they live for the luxury. They live for the, the, uh, the, the pleasure instead of keeping the focus where it needs to be. Who sing idly to the sound of stringed instruments and invent for yourselves musical instruments like David, who drink wine from bowls. Why, why have a, a small little glass when you can just tilt the bowl back and down it and, and enjoy the, the abundance of, of wine and anoint yourself with the best ointments, but are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph, and not grieved for the affliction of Israel. Are we grieved for what we see around us, the affliction of Israel? Do we take that, that grieving to our great God? Therefore they shall now go captive as the first of the captives, and those who recline at banquets shall be removed. The eternal God, or the Lord God, uh, has sworn by himself, the, the eternal God of hosts says, I abhor the pride of Jacob. I hate his palaces, and therefore I'll deliver up the city and all that is in it. There's a, a softness that's there that, that you see, we see coming out here, a, a basking in, the, in luxury instead of a, a toughness and a, a fortitude of staying focused on what we should. You know, that, that passage in, in Proverbs, it talks about uh, those who, if you faint in the days of adversity, in the day of adverse, adversity, your strength is small. I wonder, you know, how strong are we as a people? How strong are we in the Lord, uh, you and I as God's people? If, if, our, if our hope and our trust is in the Lord, we, we can have his strength to get us through this. If we find that our strength is in this and in this and in this that is not rooted in God's way of life and in the Lord, uh, how strong are we really? How strong are we really? Here's an attitude. Let's look at Amos 5. 
And this is uh, something that we see pervasive, uh, that is pervasive in our country. It can slip in into our lives. Amos 5, the virgin of Israel has fallen, verse 1. She'll rise no more. She lies forsaken on her land. There's no one to raise her up. For thus says the Lord God, the city that goes out by a thousand shall have a hundred left. And that which goes out by a hundred shall only have ten left to the house of Israel. For thus says the eternal to the house of Israel, seek me and live. Don't go to Bethel, to Gilgal, to, to Beersheba, uh, or for Gilgal shall go into captivity. Bethel shall come to nothing. But seek the Lord and live, lest he break out like fire in, in, in the house of Joseph and devour it. We know that's, that's prophesied to happen with this nation. With no one to quench it in Bethel, you who turn justice to wormwood and lay righteousness to rest in the earth. This, this great God that we serve, verse 8, is the one who made Pleiades in, in, in Orion. He turns the shadow of death into morning and makes the dark as night. He calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the face of the earth. The eternal is his name. He rains ruin upon the strong so that fury comes upon the fortress. Verse 10, here's, here's the statement, here's the attitude that we see more and more pervasive in our, in our country today. They hate the one who rebukes in the gate. How dare you stand up and say this way of life is wrong? How dare you come to me to say that? How dare you quote that Bible that is antiquated and has no meaning for me? It's written by a bunch of people and doesn't make any sense anyway. How dare you use that to say this is right and this is wrong? They hate the one who rebukes in the gate, the one, you know, the gates where the elders were and they, they made decisions and rulings. They hate, they abhor the one who speaks uprightly. Uh, 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 an anger, a deep-seated anger and hatred of the one who speaks uprightly. Therefore, because you tread down the poor and take grain taxes from him, though you've built houses of hewn stone, yet you shall not dwell in them. You've planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink from them. For I know your manifold transgressions and your mighty sins, he says. Verse 14, see good and not evil that you may live. So the Lord God of hosts will be with you as you've spoken. Hate evil, hate it, love good, establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Well, we know that God is working with a remnant, uh, a remnant, those who have God's spirit, the Israel of God, and we know that God will be gracious to us. He has extended grace to us. We reflect upon that incredible uh, gracious act of, of Jesus Christ as we memorialize his death every year at Passover. Uh, and, and then as a result, we strive to to hate evil and, and love what is good. Don't you dare correct me. Don't you dare bring anything against me that I need to change. Uh, that can sneak in to us at times, an attitude, an attitude of rebelliousness against that. Let's go uh, to uh, another passage here as we move, move towards the latter part of the message. Uh, Luke 21, as we look to the Olivet Prophecy, is this not the world in which we live now, the, the beginning of sorrows that we see coming upon us as we talked recently? When, what is God going to use to cause this trigger to happen. To, we see everything is in place right now. All of these, these uh, situations, uh, 
economically, uh, militarily, politically, morally in our country. It's just, it's set. The table is set. It's just a matter of when God wants to, to kick it in. Uh, look, look at what it says in terms of the things that are, that are going to be going on. We usually look at Matthew 24. Let's look at Luke 21, a parallel passage here of the Olivet Prophecy. Uh, Luke 21, verse 7. Luke 21, verse 7. So they asked him, saying, Teacher, but w- when will these things, these things be? What, what sign will there be when, when these things are about to take place? He said, Don't be deceived about this. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he. The time is drawn near. Don't go after those folks. Here we see another reference back to uh, Mr. Uh, Beltran's message today. But when you hear of wars and commotions, and they are all around us, Don't be terrified. Don't be terrified about it. In whom do we put our trust? For these things must come to pass, but the end will not come immediately. So he said to them, nation will rise against nation, the kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places. There will be famines, pestilences, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You'll be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Are you and I okay with that? If that time comes for us, are we ready? Are we prepared to stand up for God? Are we seeking to be peaceable with all all men, but we stand for what is right and just and don't make apologies for that? It will turn out Verse 13, for you as an occasion for testimony. Wow, I, I would be a little stressed out about that. Oh, oh I should look at it as an, as an occasion for testimony. Yes, 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 I should. Yes, all of us should. It, as we see our lives from the perspective of it is a temporary life, it's here and it's gone. I have a role to play. God didn't call me just to do something nice for me. He called me, he called you for a purpose. And we are either aligned with God's purpose or we're not. And if we are constantly staying focused on putting our trust in Him and being aligned with His purpose, then God said, you know, we can, we, can, we can recognize in these situations that it will be an occasion for testimony. And that's good and that's right. Verse 14, settle it not in your hearts, uh, therefore settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you'll answer, for I'll give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends. Some here in this congregation have, have dealt with that. And they will put some of you to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Are you good with that? Am I okay with that? But not a hair of your head shall be lost. Again, this is not uh, a reference uh, saying that uh, we, won't, we won't die because <laughs> two, ver- uh, verse before, two verses before it says some will be put to death. But not a hair of our head will be lost with respect to the resurrection the ones who uh, are, are faithful to God and, and walking in His ways and are aligned with His purpose. Uh, our, our lives are secure with God for eternity when He raises us up at Christ's return. By your patience, possess your souls. You know, I think, I think about that. I think about 
how quickly things can happen, how quickly things can possibly turn in our nation, how quickly in some of these other countries it's already turning, where God's people are, are facing that. I think of that, I think of, I think of the health issues that our congregations are, are focusing, are, are dealing with at present. I won't state names, but uh, you folks know who you are. Those in Sherman know who they are. We've got a woman that's dealing with uh, atrial fibrillation, just about, just about didn't come out of it uh, here a week or two ago. We've got another lady that's uh, facing uh, metastatic uh, lung cancer uh, that, that she's battling. We've got a family in Sherman that's dealt with a variety of, of health difficulties for years with their daughter. And, and uh, the father and mother have gone through some, some very, very difficult uh, health challenges of late injuries, uh, debilitating injuries that they've had to, to go through. We've got many that have dealt with long-term illnesses that they continue to battle and keep continue to put one foot in front of the other. We've got a lady in Sherman that uh, lost her adult daughter here uh, to a sudden heart event just a, a few months ago. We've got a lady who's dealt with long-term uh, lung infection for years and dealing with uh, just the energy to be able to get up and go, let alone breathe deeply. We've got a lady in Sherman uh, that uh, is all, another lady in Sherman who's battled a variety of health, health concerns. We've got a, two deaths here recently in our congregation. We've got uh, one of our deacons here, whom you are very aware, that's battled uh, very touch-and-go situations with um, heart and lung issue and leakage into the lung. I mean, uh, you know, the, you know who, who they are, and you know uh, what that meant for them going through that. You know the impact that it made on, on his wife, realizing that I, I don't know if he's going to come out of this. Life is so temporary. It's so quickly here and so quickly gone. But brethren, we know what this is all about. We know that if, if we are to take on the trials that we do health-wise, if we're to take on the trials that we will need to take on for the sake of living God's way of life and representing Jesus Christ, so be it. So be it. It is, it is our lot in life. It is a wonderful lot <laughs> in life that God has chosen to call us and give, give us this opportunity to represent him as long as we draw breath. This lady in, in Sherman, this other lady that uh, is also dealing with atrial fibrillation, uh, she lost her husband several years ago, and uh, I was visiting with her a couple of weeks back, and she said, you know, life is hard. Life is really hard. Uh, she's lonely. She misses her husband. Her husband was a faithful member of the church and, and, and died in the Lord. Life is hard. But she said, where would I be without the knowledge of God? Where would I be without that knowledge? His way and his plan for me and his plan for all of mankind. And she told me, I am so thankful for that. I am so thankful for that. You know, and, and then I, I get up and leave. I get up and leave and, and go on with my life, and here she is still battling every day just to have the energy to get up and do what she needs to do. But she carries forward, uh, and she goes forward in that strength that is the strength that comes from her trust in God to carry her through, despite all the suffering that she's dealt with. 
Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. We read this passage often at, uh, we'll touch on this sometimes at, at funerals. But I, but I think about that with respect to where is our attitude? Where is our attitude in how we're approaching life in the, the little bit of time that God gives us here, the little bit of time left that he'll, he'll give us here before our time comes in this uh, fleeting temporary life. And I, I draw a lot of strength uh, from this because of what we've been given as God's people something that we reflect upon as we enter the spring holy day season. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. If Christ is preached that he's been raised from the dead, how do some of you, Paul was saying there were some there among you that, that say that there is no resurrection of the dead. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ isn't risen. Verse 14, and if Christ isn't risen, then our preaching is empty. It doesn't have any meaning. And your faith is empty. Yes, and we're found to be false witnesses of God because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. Verse 16, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. He's still in the grave. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. And all those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. You and I are of, of all people on the earth, the most pitiable. And you think about some of the people on this earth and what they've had to go through and what, what their lives how constituted and how they lived their lives and how they died uh, and, and without any hope. And here he says, if in this life we have hope in Christ only, uh, we are of all the men, of all men, the most pitiable. We, we have so much more than that, don't we? And that drives us, that carries us through. But now Christ is risen from the dead. He's become the first fruits. He was the one who died and was the first fruits offering. He's the one who came alive, the one who came alive who had fallen asleep. And this man sits at the right hand of God and intercedes for us as our high priest. 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. We do not lose heart. What is our attitude? Are we in an attitude where we have lost heart? Do we allow that sometimes to sneak in as we battle what we battle, as we experience what we experience, the, the tests and the challenges that just seem almost too much to, to get through? Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. And there are folks here whose outward men is perishing. They, they, their bodies, they, they see their bodies. They're, they're getting older. They're, they're wearing down. It's perishing. Though, even though our outward man is perishing, yet this inward man, it's, it's being renewed. It's, it's being renovated day by day. For our light affliction, and, you know, Paul puts that in perspective, uh, as many of us would, would say as we've gone through 
crises in our lives. This is not a light affliction, but we've got to view it that way. Our, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. As we've talked about before, he, he con contrasts the two. You've got this light affliction, like, oh, just a little bit, little phone kind of pushing down on my chest, and it's kind of heavy. Oh, it's giving me a little discomfort. Uh, this, this, this phone as it sits there. He, kind of like that versus this entire boulder, this massive boulder that's a weight of glory that's coming down upon us. God's, God's people can see that. We can look beyond what we're experiencing now and, and the health issues, the, the other challenges that we face, uh, our own spiritual battles that we're fighting. We focus on this gigantic weight of glory that's coming upon us as, as we know what is ahead. 2 Corinthians 5. speaks to this as well. We know, verse 1, that our, if our earthly house, this, this tent, this little temporary residence here is destroyed, we're, we're part of a building that's from God. We're part of a house that's, that's not made with hands. We're, we're part of a house that is eternal in the heavens. And for in this we groan. We, we groan because we earnestly desire to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed, being, uh, if indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent, we groan. We're, we're burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but we want to be further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Our, our hope and our trust is in God. We look for that gigantic weight of glory that, that will come upon this, this mortality that will just completely come and swallow up uh, uh, what, what our mortality is and swallow it up and devour it by life, by eternal life that awaits each of us. We, we must, as God's people, we must always keep in the forefront of our minds from where our strength and our vitality uh, is derived, our vibrancy, our, our strength and our power. Some, uh, some of us here, and you know who you are if, if this is the case, some have, have put a lot into physical health and vitality and vibrancy. I mean, I like, I like, I like to exercise. I like, I like to, to stay, stay as fit as I can. But, uh, you know, I just, I just turned 59, 59, uh, not quite 60, but uh, 59. And I re remember this, this past uh, February, we were on the ski trip, and we were at Angel Fire, and there was a point at which I was a little bit on one of the days where I was skiing by myself down one of these long blue slopes. And, uh, you know, I'd been two or three years since we had skied before and uh, didn't really work out that much this, uh, to get ready for this ski trip, but I've been doing other things. And, uh, but but uh, skiing down this run, well, the very first ski run that I, I ran, my, my ran down when, when I got off the lift at the very beginning of the ski trip, I, I thought, this is killing me and I'm not going to make it. And my, my quads were just burning. And I thought, I've got, I've got two more, I've got the whole day today and I've got two more days of this and I am done after this first run. But you know, you kind of you get used to it, you get into it and the muscles start uh, 
start working and, and doing what they should. But uh, for me, I, I felt like I was, uh, you know, a little bit later in the day when I was skiing by myself down this blue run, I, I just started really feeling good. I just thought, man, I'm going down through, I, I'm right on the verge of total disaster and, and wiping out, which I can do as many of you that have skied with me have seen. But uh, I would say, I'm right on the verge of that, but I'm still, I'm still keeping it together. And I'm making my cuts and this and that and thinking, yeah, I, I got it going on here. I'm 59. And I'm, I'm skiing down a blue somewhat recklessly, but I'm still on my skis and, and, and I'm doing okay. And then it just hit me. N not, not a tree, uh, George of the jungle, not like that, but, but it, it hit me. What are you thinking, Andy? <laughs> th Do you know that anything could happen right now? You could, you could, you could lose a ski, uh, you could, uh, a, a, a ski malfunction. You could just barely, like, not concentrate for a second or hit a little bump, and then it's total wipeout. And then there goes your knee, uh, or you, you crash and do a, a Sonny Bono kind of crash, and then uh, I'm waking up in the resurrection. And, and you know, here, here I'm thinking, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really going well. I just had to realize this, it means nothing. I, I, I enjoyed skiing, but don't let yourself think that you get any strength or any power or any might out of your, quote, vitality uh, by being able to go down a ski mountain. There's some vanity in that sometimes that uh, those, you know, who, who try to stay in shape, we, we can all, we can, we can have some confidence in, in, in doing some of the things that we need to be doing, and, and, and that can be a good thing, and then all of a sudden it just shifts into a little bit of vanity, and a little bit of pride, and a little bit of, I've got it going on, vitality, and we are dust. We are a vapor. We are here, and we are gone. Uh, from, from where, where is my strength derived? Where is your strength derived? What do you hold on to that, that gives you strength and power and, and might? If it's anything of us, it's off. It's off. And as we put our trust in man, and we are mankind, anything in our own lives in which we put our trust, cursed is that man who puts his trust in man. We are to, to try to take care of ourselves as... Uh, the Lawrence Welk show said, eat right, take Geritol. You know, we, 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 do, we do the things we try. That's really an old reference. How many of you know that reference? There you go. Bunch of old folks uh, watching old classic TV still. But anyway, eat right, take Geritol. You know, we try to take care of ourselves. But again, where do we put our trust? If I take these vitamins, if I get this and I get this, and I get this balanced to a really super healthy colon, I, th I think I might make it like 117. I, you know what? What's it matter? What's it matter? We try to take care of ourselves, but this is an earthly tent in which we live. Do we groan earnestly? desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If we do, we're, we've got a good attitude. If we don't, our attitude's a little off. My attitude is a little off. Let's turn, uh, if we could, finally, uh, to Psalm 34. Psalm 34, as we wrap this up. God's people... Don't look at the things which are seen. God's people look at the things which are not seen. We know that the things that are seen are temporary. We know that the things which are not seen are eternal. When we are in that mode, our attitude aligns with God's attitude. Psalm 34, 
speaks to this. Discovered this recently and thought it, it fits with what we're covering today. Psalm 34, Psalm 34, verse 1. I'll bless the Lord at all times. That's where David says he will keep his focus. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the eternal. Not in man, if I could add that. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the eternal with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. The poor man cried out and the eternal heard him and saved him from out, uh, from out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the eternal is good. Blessed is that man who trusts in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the eternal shall not lack any good. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the eternal. Who's the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace. Pursue it. The eyes of the eternal are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the eternal hears. He delivers them out of all their troubles. The eternal is near to those who have a broken heart, and he saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. It's, it's, what we, it's what the righteous experience. It's, God says it will be that way, and it is that way. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil, though, shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The eternal redeems the soul of his servants and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. As we near the Passover and the spring Holy Day season, let's reflect on this wonderful plan of God. The wonderful plan of God from start to finish. Not just the start of it as we reflect upon the impact of Christ's role, but let's think about it from start to finish as God's people. And the part that he's given us to play in that and leading us to a deeper and deeper appreciation of his love, his love for us, his love for mankind, so we can go forward in confidence. As the world deterior deteriorates around us, failed leadership, corruption, moral decay, depravity, deviancy, wickedness, diseases increasing, food scarcity, poverty, famine, earthquakes, wars, rumors of wars, even the arrival of the beast and the false prophet, God's people can maintain a sense of clarity and settledness as we live this life, this life that's a, a vapor. The master potter, the master potter knows what he's doing in our lives. We yield to him. We suffer for him. We love him with all our might. We love others made in his image as we love ourselves. We trust in him. We wait for him because our hope is in him. And you know what, as we do this, how's our attitude? 
Our, our attitude's pretty good. Our attitude is good. Our attitude is a godly attitude. 